Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Hello and welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, July 16th, 2019, and I'm your host, Ariel Taylor, with my co-hosts, Lavendar and Anastasia. We're welcoming Lavendar back to the show tonight with great, great welcoming. And we have had a wonderful response for our Starseed Quest to Arkansas for August Harmonic Convergence, which is August 16th through the 19th. But we still have three spots available. So if you're feeling the call, uh, you still have a chance to get in. This is a soul family reunion, and all Starseeds with at least one galactic marking are eligible to attend. And gathering with other Starseeds brings your activations to higher levels and puts Starseeds on a fast track with their missions. If you'd like more info, just write to crystals at starseedhotline.com. Our special guest this evening is Wendy Whiteman, who's been called a Renaissance woman by her friends and colleagues in that she's knowledgeable in many areas. She has been an employee of one of the three-letter agencies, having been recruited out of college in the 70s. And after that, her passion of rock hounding in the deserts of California, New Mexico, and Arizona led her into a career of fine jewelry and studying the use of stones and crystals for metaphysical purposes. She's presently the owner of the Wolfwalker Collection, a 22-year-old business which sells ceremonial herbs used in the native, shamanic, and Buddhist and Hindu traditions. The distillation of essential oils, such as white sage and New Mexico desert sage, are also an important part of what she offers. Wendy is a registered aromatherapist with many years of experience in blending oils and teaching small classes in distillation and use of oils. She's also the author of Sacred Sage, How It Heals, and Sacred Sage Spirit Medicine. She resides in Taos, New Mexico, in a traditional adobe house on the High Mesa. Through her studies with various Native and Buddhist teachers and her own experiences in ceremony, Wendy has found the importance of purification in our lives. It goes well beyond the physical into the mental and emotional bodies. And with the world events and the collective unconscious being a major factor in our daily lives, it's so important to bring purification into our lives. You can check out her website, which is wolfwalkercollection.com. At the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News, bringing topics of interest to starseeds you won't hear in the mainstream. And we'd like to thank Kathy, Fiona, and Jada for hosting the switchboard tonight for those who may have a question or comment for Wendy. We have an online starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com, and it's a safe place to connect with other starseeds thanks to Tammy's helpful dedication. And you can download our shows on iTunes or right here on Blog Talk. And if you'd like to show your support of our program, please just click follow on our page here, and you'll get our weekly show notices so you know what's coming up, but you'll need to enable those notifications. 
Our main website is starseedhotline.com. The Stage 1 Starseed confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings in your natal astrological chart, and the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one phone session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, or myself. And if you have a birthday coming up, you don't want to miss out on your 10 hours of power. You can find out when that happens by requesting your solar return timing. And please remember, if you want the Stage 2 interpretation of that chart, you'll need to order it about four months ahead of time because we do have a waiting list. So uh, first up this evening, I would like to introduce Anastasia and the wonderful Starseed News. Good evening, Ariel. Good evening, everybody. Great to be with you this week. We've had lots of news. I better get into it. We um, have had a shallow earthquake off of magnitude 6.4 that has struck off Papua New Guinea this week. A 4.0 hit near Manhattan, Montana. I didn't even know there was a Manhattan, Montana. 4.0, though, in, Man- in Montana seems pretty unusual, probably due to fracking. Who knows? And there was a shallow earthquake with a 7.3 magnitude, another big one, that struck in eastern Indonesia just very recently, within a day or two. There was also a 6.9 quake that struck west of western Australia, a 6.1 that rocked uh, south of Japan, and a 6.0 in the Solomon Islands. So there have been a lot of earthquakes. And if you'll note, 6.9, 7.3, 6.4... Uh, uh, plus the uh, seven-pointer that occurred in uh, California, 7.1. That is uh, a lot of increasing activity, something to keep an eye on. And as far as the the quake in California last Wednesday, a California reporter wrote this, and I'm quoting. He said, the ground is constantly shaking in Southern California right now, again as of last week, and this has many concerns that another large quake may be coming. I have been keeping my eye on Caltech's recent earthquake map, and as I write this article, it says that there have been 10,053 earthquakes in California and Nevada over the past seven days. That was since the uh, 7.1 quake. He said, I've never seen a number that's so high like that. Southern California is being hit by yet another new earthquake every few moments. Most of the earthquakes are happening out in the Ridgecrest area where we witnessed the magnitude 6.4 quake that hit on July 4th and the magnitude 7.1 earthquake that hit on July 5th. And according to a Fox News report, the USGS has carefully scoured California's terrain for evidence of past earthquakes. They've assembled seismic records dating back some 1,000 years at 12 key sites along the Golden State's major fault lines the extensive San Andreas Fault, the Hayward Fault, and the San Jacinto Fault. Now, the data reveals the odds of all three faults being quiet for 100 years is next to none. Instead, the USGS study says that California should have expected about six big ones by now. They went on to say, we don't think it's happened in the previous 1,000 years. Now, this quake hiatus remains a mystery speculation that the faults had merely vented much of their pent-up tension in an unusually active 1800s remains just that, only speculation. They do are, they're wondering if there is something even deeper, something so big 
that is causing the activity of the state's five, five major fault lines to what they call synchronize. So they are concerned because they say the potential for damaging earthquakes, landslides, and so on is widely recognized in California. But the same cannot be said for volcanic eruptions. Out of the state's eight volcanoes, seven have been found to sit above active magma chain chambers. So like the fault line studies, geologists have pulled clues from California's landscape to determine volcanic activity in the past 5,000 years. It's found five volcanoes, Mount Shasta, Medicine Lake, Lassen, Long Valley, and Salton Buttes, have erupted during the last 3,000 years. Uh, the trick is predicting when the next eruption is likely to occur. They're equating the uh, volcanic potential with the earthquake potential and taking these two factors as a whole, trying to determine the risk factors for the residents of the western United States. And they're looking at that now very carefully. Because of the uh, quake that recently happened in California, and I'm sure that the larger quakes along the uh, Ring of Fire is a part of that which they are now taking into consideration. Hawaii has a wildfire right now. Thousands of people on Maui have been ordered to evacuate two towns on the path of a spreading wildfire. This is a 3,000-acre brush fire in the island Central Valley was un uncontrolled late last week. Um, thousands of people evacuated. I have not obtained an update as to what's going on with that. Well, they tell us that nature heals us and that viewing green spaces is linked to more positive mindset and reduced cravings for, har for harmful substances. Because so much of our modern life happens indoors, from offices to apartments or houses, most people in today's uh, age find themselves cooped up inside for most of the day. They tell us that spending more time outdoors has long been linked to a more positive mindset. But right now a study has concluded that just seeing greenery on a day-to-day -day basis can put us in a better mood and reduce harmful cravings for substances such as alcohol and junk food. Now, according to this study from the University of Plymouth, being able to see greenery and nature from your home will lead to less frequent and intense cravings. This research builds off previous work that has established a link between exercising outdoors and reduced cravings. And the study's authors assert that exercise is not the only necessary thing to reap the benefits of nature. They say just looking at green plants will help calm you down. The study is the first of its kind and its authors say their findings stress the need for cities and communities all around the world to invest in and to protect public green spaces. Well, isn't that the truth? When you've been in the city and you're surrounded with concrete, don't you just sometimes long to see some plants and some trees and some grass and flowers? Of course we do. So I think this is a very positive move maybe for urban planners to draw upon so that people who live in these contained spaces can enjoy nature. And also, we all know that trees uh, help the air and the rest of the environment. So it's a beautiful thought, and I'm, I think it's a great thing that this study was done. Well, I've talked to you in the past about Japan uh, seeking out an asteroid to land a probe on it. 
last Wednesday, Japan's Hayabusa 2 probe successfully, successfully landed on that asteroid. The J Japanese Aerospace Exploration Agency launched Hayabusa 2 into space in 2014, five years ago. It had the mission to explore and collect samples from Ryugu, Ryugu, which is a primitive asteroid half a mile in diameter that orbits the sun at a distance of up to 131 million miles. How did they do this? Well, in April of this year, it blasted the asteroid with a copper plate and a box of explosives uh, in order to loosen rocks and expose material under the surface. That was to expose the rocks so that they could bring some back. Well, last Wednesday, this, this uh, satellite landed on this asteroid, and it gathered up the rock and soil debris, which they're going to fly back to Earth. I don't know when, eventually. Collecting asteroid rocks from a spacecraft operated remotely from Earth. Wow. And in the European Union, GPS satellites were down for four days in a highly mysterious outage. It equaled about 100 hours of downtime. Now, this system is called Galileo. It's the European Union's global navigation satellite system. And uh, they are still non-operational, at least the last I heard, as of last week. Um, according to a service status page, 24 of the 26 Galileo satellites were listed as not usable, while the other two are listed as testing, which also means that they're not ready for real-world implementation. Now, the European GNSS Agency, the organization that's in charge of Galileo, has not published any information regarding the root of the outage. Now, the downtime also comes after widespread GPS outages were reported across Israel, Iran, Iraq, and Syria. Israeli media, incidentally, blamed the downtime on Russian interference rather than a technical problem. Now, that's the extent of the article, and no one has yet fessed up to what might have caused this GPS outage over Europe. We've had a lot of crop loss in the United States this year, but not the United States alone. Europe has suffered tremendous crop damage from climate, uh, the climate and the weather and the rain, just unfavorable conditions all the way around. There has been a report on the Internet about a shortage of canned peas at Walmart across the United States. This report claims that Walmart is sold out of canned peas all across the country and that Walmart is responsible for 25% of the food supply in the United States. Now, since the peas disappeared overnight, and some of you might note in your own personal experience, if you go to Kroger or another major chain when you're buying vegetables, just how often in the recent months you have noticed that the shelves are emptied out and that maybe they may be out of corn or beans or something else. Well, there is discussion in certain circles that perhaps, um, well, actually the stores themselves have posted signs saying that this is due to uh, bad crop production this year. And yet, canned goods are not 
uh, necessarily made available to the public from this year's supply. We all know that canned goods have been sitting around for a while. So it seems rather unlikely, despite the store's claim, uh, that the canned goods shortage for, of peas is about uh, weather this year. Um, it makes one wonder what is really going on. There is discussion about food shortages, and related to this article, they are developing a protein powder created from air, water, and bacteria that they say could feed millions of people. Now, air, water, and bacteria. They are saying that if a scarcity society is ever realized, it won't involve the redistribution of wealth and rich people feasting on like things like filet mignon. They say that while the global, the global population increases amidst the background of climate change and the effects that it has on agriculture and clean water, everyone will be affected and the wealthy will not be able to escape. And they say that the types of food that we consume will change according to scarcity and availability. They tell us that the problem with plant-based foods is that they require earth, fertile earth, land space, and water. These are three resources that are put at risk by increasing population, by our waste output, and by changing climate patterns. Moreover, 60% of our plant-based foods come from just three sources, rice, corn, and wheat, all of which have huge agricultural demands. Now enter onto the stage a company called Solar Foods. This is a Finnish company that has developed a novel solution to the problem. They call it Solian. Now, for old-timers out there, that sounds a lot like the 1973 movie Soylent Green, doesn't it? That was a story about, yeah, if you've lived long enough, you know, that, that movie made an impression. And the theme of this movie was about a tale of Earth that was in despair in the year 2022. The movie postulated that natural food like fruits, vegetables, and meat would be extinct in 2022. Earth was overpopulated, and in the movie, New York City had 40 million starving people. And the only way that they were able to survive in the movie was with water rations and eating a mysterious food called soylent. Well, anyway, uh, we will let that stand. But back to today, in so-called real life, soylent is a protein powder made using renewable electricity carbon dioxide, and water laced with special bacteria. Just think about that for a minute. Now, according to this Finnish company, Solian looks and tastes just like wheat flour and is composed of 50% protein, 10% fat, and 25% carbohydrates. Now, this company's sustainability, what they say, the Soylean's sustainability, makes it a far better alternative energy source than plant-based foods or meat, requiring just 10 liters of water to produce two pounds of powder. Now, let's put that in perspective according to this company. They say that it takes between 5,000 and 20,000 liters of water to produce a kilogram of beef. Sorry for the metric measurements here, but this is what I didn't get it converted for you. Sorry. Uh, they say that wheat requires 500 to 4,000 liters of water. 
they go on to say that producing solium is entirely free from agriculture. It doesn't require land or irrigation and is not limited by climate conditions. They aim to produce enough solium for 2 billion meals by the year 2022. That's weird because 2022 was <laughs> the, the stage for which the movie Soylent Green was set. That's just too weird. Is life imitating art or what? Um, mm. Okay. Well, I want to <laughs> report on a story from a Starseed uh, participant, very important, about 5G. Uh, they are planning on launching a 5G drone the size of a football field over Hawaii. A drone the size of a football field. Well, Lanai is on this path to serve, according to this article, as a technologically advanced flight operations center for a football field-wide drone flying 65,000 to 85,000 feet high for as long as one year while providing 5G advanced wireless airborne services to people on the ground. Now, this football field-sized drone flies independently at about 22 miles per hour and is powered by electrical and solar. It can fly at an altitude up to 80,000 feet for a year, so I've already said 85,000 feet. Now, according to the co-owner of the Drone Services Hawaii, who was instrumental in bringing this program to Lanai, he says, this project is special because we would not have made it here without the support of the community. They call this drone the Hawk 30 program. Well, the University of Hawaii Research Organization has a support agreement with the program sponsor to perform the test project on Lanai. A number of other groups you've never heard of are also involved in this project. Well, the program's goal is to develop and test a high-altitude platform drone named Hawk 30, as I've told you, while providing advanced 5G wireless connections deep into valleys and remote land areas and over the ocean. They're going to set up a base camp on about 215 acres of old pineapple fields controlled by a billionaire named Larry Ellison uh, that owns most of the island. They're planning temporary structures for the site. There will be 30 to 40 flight team members working at the site. They tell us that if all goes according to plan, sponsors, partners, operators, and the launch team anticipate a takeoff date at the end of September. Wow. Well, notice this article states, and the, the project, the guy who in, implemented this, it was one man, one man who got all this started, and he is claiming that the community is supporting this. Well, I received news today by the same starseed who advised me of this story that, to, uh, that Hawaii citizens are now on the move to stop the project. Thank goodness. But I will add that there are a number of corporations involved in launching this program that I've never heard of. Lots of wealthy and uh, 
interesting companies, wealthy people in interesting companies, putting their shoulders behind this. The write-up on the article was glowing about all the technology and the jobs this would provide to Hawaii and all the wonderful service that 5G is going to uh, provide people. Uh, and then, uh, they, I, I don't know if people on Hawaii, this, apparently this article just kind of entered the stage of life. I don't know if the public was well informed about this enough in advance. In any event, as far as I can determine, and I'm sorry, I'm just just my opinion, as far as I can determine, this was kind of uh, popped onto the stage, article suddenly appeared, and uh, this is one of those cases I suspect, I don't know for sure, that this was uh, set up well in advance uh, with not much response from the public, not much discussion or dialogue at all, probably no hearings. People just decided to do this. They threw their money into it. And now, apparently, the public is now hearing about it, and they're trying to stop it. So I will keep you advised in the future as to what happens with this, and I'm sure uh, the Starseed listeners who are also working uh, to keep 5G at bay will keep us informed. Um, but this is one of those things that's just apparently popped up. Can you imagine a, uh, a drone the size of a football field that can float around up there for one year? The implications of that to me are staggering, and uh, not to mention the concerns over 5G. The area, the space that that will be irradiating, the frequencies that that will be uh, emanating to the, the people on the ground, the animals, the plants, the ocean, the ocean life. So, anyway, be advised. Um, just yeah, not all life has happening. a voice to object. What's you know, that? the I'm animals, sorry. the plants, the animals, we, the plants, the, the marine life—they don't have a voice. Absolutely, I'm so glad you brought that up. Uh, yes, absolutely. So, all of our support around those that are on the move to stop this and to demand. Uh, you know, even if the, one of the concerns, I just want to point out uh, one of the concerns. I'm ad-libbing this, not reading it. Um, if we rely upon this as just a safety issue, as a reason to stop it, uh, surely they will eventually come up with um, cor so-called corrections to that uh, that will convince people that it's safe to launch or to deploy 5G. But there's another factor of this that needs to be paid careful attention to, not only the health effects and safety issues, but just the mere fact of potential surveillance of human activity. Um, this is so anti-freedom. It's so anti-democracy. Um, the surveillance capabilities of these kinds of things are staggering. So it's not merely health and safety, which is definitely a concern deep, profound concern, but there are also other concerns uh, having to do with human freedom and privacy. So anyway, we'll see. But I want to thank all of the people uh, who are participating or working so hard to bring this into public consciousness. Bless each and every one of you for the hard work and the long hours that you've put into this and the soul and spirit with which you oppose it. I thank each and every one of you. And from my heart to each one of you, dear Starseed, have a beautiful week. And thank you, Ariel, for the opportunity to bring you the Starseed News. 
Oh, well, it's it's a pleasure. You always do such a great job. And thanks for bringing important issues to our attention. So um, I'll talk to you uh, next week. Yes, indeedy. <laughs> okay. Good night, everybody. Bye-bye. Good night. So um, now I am going to get, uh, let's see, Lavendar's mic open. I just have to find you on the switchboard. And um, and our guest, Wendy Whiteman, I get your microphone open. And here we are. Well, hello, Wendy. Welcome to the show. Hi, Arielle. Thank you very much for having me on. I've been looking forward to it. Oh, it's our pleasure. Lavendar, are you ready to go? <clears throat> yes, I'm here. And I wanted to say something at the beginning before uh, we welcome uh, Wendy. I want to thank everyone for their prayers and for their consideration while I've been off work for five months, for all the support and and all the emails. And I just really appreciate the Starseed family and what they have brought to me over these past uh, years that we've had our website and the radio show. It's It's really been a blessing for me to see the advancement and the alignments that are happening with our Starseed Quest that we have four times a year, the people that come and have their solar returns and, and get back to me and let me know that they've used their solar returns in our most positive way. It's really uplifting to know that the starseed work on the planet is happening and that we're going forward. And I just wanted to express my appreciation to our starseed family that listens to us all the time. So thank you. So, Wendy, I am so excited that you are our guest and you're the first one I get to talk to. So, well, thank you, hello, girl. Me. Hello, <laughs> and I'm so glad that you're back and refreshed and ready to go. I we am. need your guidance and leadership. Well, it's been my pleasure to bring things out of the vault that I wrote so many years ago, and they told me I had to hold that information for the kids that were born after 1980, and sure enough, that's what's happening now. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about yourself and um, how you became a starseed. <laughs> how much time do we have, Lavender? <laughs> as much as you want, honey. <laughs> that's right. that's a, that really tickles me because it's like, oh, my God, I need hours to discuss this. But uh, I guess briefly, um, I uh, I came into this world as a starseed. I don't think I became it. I just came in as a starseed. I didn't really recognize it uh, or have a label for it for many, many years. Uh, I think the label came around when I found you guys online by accident. Ha ha. Uh, and I called in for a reading and you told me that my birthday was part of the alignment, November 17th. And everything oh, yeah. that you told me really just filled in for me the you know feelings that I had had growing up as a child. Uh, a lot of the missing blanks uh, got filled in for me about my unusual life or my unusual belief systems. Um, and now that I I got that guidance and uh, and I was able to label it, uh, I wouldn't say life has become easier, but it's certainly become more understandable for me. So, Wendy, uh, I'm Wendy, I just I want to interrupt you just right here because I just remembered the story that happened when you went up to uh, Pagosa Springs. Would you tell our audience that story about our Giza crystals? Oh, yes. And now I'm going to forget the name of that gal, but I know you're going to be able to tell me. 
um, I had gone from house to Pagosa Springs, Colorado, to meet up with uh, another Pleiadian sister who was a massage therapist. And uh, I went in for an appointment with her. And I had asked her if she had known this other gal that wrote the uh, book on 101. What was that called, Starcy? ET 101 by Diana Lupi. Thank you, Diana Lupi. And I'm sorry, Diana, for not remembering your name. But uh, after I got my massage, I had asked my friend if she knew Diana Lupi because she was also from Pagoda Springs. And she said, oh, my goodness, she has an office right next door. And I thought, wow, what synchronicity, two star seeds in, in one shot. So she said, wait a minute, let me go over and see if she's there. And lo and behold, she was there. So she came over and uh, we saw each other and it was like instant recognition. And um, I told her that I had a gift for her, which were the little Giza crystals that you had sent me. So, But she didn't know that. I just said, I have a gift for you. And as soon as I said that, she said, well, wait a minute, I have a gift for you. So she went into her room and she came back. And as I presented her the Giza crystals, she looked down and she said, well, that's what I'm giving you. And here are my Giza crystals. So we had a good laugh over that about, yep, they're going exactly where they need to be. So we just swapped the Giza crystals that you had sent to both of us. And uh, the three of us had a good, just a good laugh because um, the synchronicity was absolutely amazing that I was able to connect with both these women and I felt very guided to just go to Pagosa Springs, and I knew I'd meet one, but I did not know that Diana Lupi was literally on the other side of the wall. So, well, synchroniz- synchronization is confirmation, right? It it absolutely is, and and I've had lots of that in my lifetime, uh, and now I really pay attention to it because I know I'm on the right track whenever these synchronicities pop up, and they're so important. To, to listen to and not doubt it and run with it. How long have you lived in New Mexico? Uh, I came to New Mexico about 22 years ago, uh, specifically to work with a Navajo, a uh, very traditional Navajo man, who I had met a few years before that when I was still living in Richmond, Virginia. And uh, I came out here in order to be able to study with him even more. Uh, And he was what was called a hand trembler. And that was his way of divining uh, and healing people. They have about six different categories in the Navajo tradition of healers. And as a hand trembler, he was the diviner. So he was able to divine what was wrong with someone. And then he would send them to the correct singer in order to be healed. So I came to him to learn what I could learn. And it ended up that I kind of walked away at the end as an expert and sage. And uh, little did I know that that plant was going to be my major source of income for the rest of my life and my teaching and my guidance and my ally. Um, So I've, I've gotten to know her very, very well. Uh, I live in Taos, New Mexico, uh, out on the mesa called the Taos Plateau. So I'm about 7,200 feet in the air. Uh, and I'm surrounded by the largest stand of 
desert sage that exists literally on this planet. And I'm right smack dab in the middle of it. And as I sit here right now, I'm staring out the window at Taos Mountain and the Taos Pueblo. It's, uh, it's very magical. But uh, I, am, I am definitely blessed in that I'm living what I was supposed to be doing. And maybe I didn't even know that for a long time till I, I came here. Now, do people come to, to your place? Do they stay there? Tell us a little bit about how you work with people on your land. Uh, yes. So um, when I first came out here, I was doing a lot of ceremony just in general uh, with friends and people in town who would get to know us. They were doing a lot of the traditional ceremonies as far as sweat lodges, uh, vision quests, yearly vision quests. Some people uh, went to Sundance. That was not something that I felt was up my alley. Uh, it just didn't feel right for me, so I would support, but I would not actually Sundance. We would have uh, healing ceremonies for people, drumming circles, shamanic journeying. And then that kind of led me into working more with really small groups or individuals. So then I proceeded to work with individuals who wanted to use all the earth ceremonies as a way to either heal or just transform, uh, going through maybe process in their life where everything was changing. And a ceremony and ritual is a wonderful way to kind of ground that in and make you a little clearer about what it is that you need to change in your life. So people would come out here and stay with me on the land, and usually they they will just come with a tent and stay outside. And uh, I'll use the medicine with them. Sweat lodge is hugely important. There's there's sweating and purifying every single day. Um, I have them work with the the desert sage out here, which is called Artemisia tridentata, the scientific name. It's not the same as a white sage or a salvia. It's a totally different plant. So that is very big for me to get them to work with that plant on a physical basis, emotional and mental, so that that can also be an ally for them when they leave. Uh, There's also a lot of just processing, verbal processing. And then they're also going to be spending time alone. It might only be just for a day depends on how long they're out here and I take them to a very uh, special special area where I have left Giza crystals Um, it's a it's a total anomaly mountain there is no geologist that can tell us why this mountain is where it is and it's completely rose quartz and uh, it's it's just incredibly special so I usually take them out there for anywhere from a half day to a full day where they do a, a mini vision quest uh, and they get to journal and write down what's been happening for them. And then we do some more processing before they leave. So that's, that's the general, uh, the general way in which I work with people when they do come here. And uh, they know before they come here that if, if earth ceremonies and that kind of processing doesn't work for them, I am not there. I'm not their guide. It it really has to resonate with them. It has to be a calling, don't you think? Yeah, it does. This this was a calling for me, and usually the people that really respond and get the most out of it are people who absolutely want to be outside. They want to be with nature. Uh, they want to be with animals. They like the the feeling of the dirt and the rock and the earth underneath them and plant life. 
Uh, and it's, you know, it's a Native American process, but there's also other things that we bring into that. You know, when you came to the Starseed Quest, you brought everything that you just said with you. And it showed in the way that you walked in the, in the room, the way you spoke, the way you connected with people. You were such a blessing for us to have at our quest. I just wanted to to let our audience oh, know. Thank you. What a what a what a diamond you were at, at, at our Starseed Quest. And I hope that you'll be able to come back. I know you can't come back for oh, November because you're going to be playing tennis, but hopefully we'll get to see you again. You you can't get rid of me. I'll I'll be back. <laughs> This is this is my 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 tennis uh, this year is my last little ego trip because I'm getting too old, but uh, I'm actually getting to go to nationals with my team. Uh, I am a senior. This is for nationals, and uh, so I get to hang up my racket after this. Okay, <laughs> so the only reason why I'm not coming. <laughs> okay, um, to change the subject a little bit, tell us. A little bit about native traditions around the world that burnt herbs and woods and resins and incense to purify bodies. Tell us more about what you've learned in your studies. Yeah, it's everywhere. It is. Uh, it is nothing new. It's nothing new age. It's it's old age, and uh, every tradition, whether it's Celtic or pagan or Native American or Buddhist or Hindu or African or Siberian, uh, every single culture or religion has a huge emphasis on purifying um, physical body, mental body, and emotional body. And the way that they purify, and always it's a burning of herbs, uh, woods like sandalwood, uh, uh, Palo Santo. Uh, then the resins like your frankincense and your myrrhs and your copals, and then the burning of herbs, um, which are many, many different kinds of sages, many different cedars, uh, sweet grasses. And it's very traditional for the native people here in America to use what is native in their area. So you may end up maybe going to the Cherokee where their cedar is hugely important. So they may use cedar as a way to purify. Then you go up to Canada and their main plant is going to be sweetgrass and they're going to purify with sweetgrass. And then you can come down to Southwestern tribes and it's all about the desert sage that grows out here and they burn that and purify. You go to California and all of a sudden it's white sage so um, as you move along this path, you start realizing that not everybody is going to use sage. If you get in with traditional Native Americans, they're going to burn what they have present in their area. And it's really important as you, you move along this path that you get to know your environment and what are the plants in your backyard, in your woods, in your area because you're going to find something there that you can use to burn, to purify. It's really, really important. It's a big shamanic practice to get to know your personal environment. So, I mean, even if you're in the city, you can you can get a little pot and you can plant something that is going to burn for you that you can use to purify. Um, you don't always have to go out and buy something that's not growing in your area. So just for everybody to remember that, um, find out 
what the native people in your particular area used to purify. If it's cedar, pine needles, you can certainly work in the woods and harvest that yourself and dry it uh, and be able to burn that on charcoals. Um, I wanted to ask, do you, do you ever use salt? I use salt for, for purification. I do a lot of Epsom salt baths, and I do rubbing salt on my, my body, let it be dry. There's something about salt that really works for me. Do you do you work with salt at all? Um, I would do that if I'm going to be in a bathtub. <laughs> Water, I love to soak in it. I uh, love to go to the ocean and swim in it. And it, it absolutely can be used for purification. Uh, I don't know that it is something that is used um, too much in Native traditions. But you could absolutely get into Southern California and start to find some of the Native people that are using more of the Mexican and Spanish uh, ways of purifying, and ocean water will absolutely be one of those. They will bring in ocean water into their ceremonies. My, my Native teacher, Elton, from, from the Diné tribe or Navajo tribe, the only time he wanted to leave the four sacred mountains was to come back to Virginia with me to go and see the ocean. And he said that when he got to the ocean, the most important thing for him to do was to wash all of his ceremonial eagle feathers in the ocean water for the salt. Now there's a man who spent his entire life in Arizona in the middle of the desert who put a huge emphasis on the ocean salt water for cleansing. Wow. So uh, that yeah. is absolutely uh, a very good thing to do. You know, sure, sore muscles, you can get into the, the physical reasons for doing it. But, yes, I think salt water is fabulous. Even if you feel like you've been in an area or with people that might have been negative or you've been uh, in a place that just made you feel uh, dirty when you left and energetically drained, Salt water is perfect for that. Right. You know, when I was at the Tetons the first time many, many years ago, uh, I was surrounded where I was staying with the female sage. Mm-hmm. I looked, looked out my window, and as far as I could see, that's all I could see was that white female sage. And then I found out that the state of Wyoming gave women the right to vote. They were the first state to do it. And I huh. thought, hmm. A lot of female sage here. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so uh, tell just us, to, go ahead. Tell us. <clears throat> tell us now more about your the work that you do with stones. You you made a beautiful beautiful necklace for me, and I didn't buy it for beauty. I bought it for for keeping energies off of me. If you want to talk about that a little bit, go ahead. Right. So. Um, I was a a fine jeweler for about 20 years. And while I was doing the fine jewelry and my own uh, personal spiritual life started to take off and I started doing a lot more studying of uh, energy and metaphysics, uh, I really became entranced with the jewels and the stones and the crystals in a really different way than from fine jewelry. Uh, So uh, recently... People have found an incredible stone called shungite, and I don't think I have found a stone yet that can 
actually prove and test that it is protecting us from the EMF waves. And um, there's plenty of YouTubes that you can go to to find out uh, exactly how this works. But basically, what's going on with shungite is that it's uh, 90 to 100% carbon, which is so unusual for stone, because we think of carbon molecules as being something more for uh, organic plant life or humans or animals. But in this particular stone, it's 90 to 100% carbon. And then within that, they have found out that it contains small amounts of fullerenes. And the fullerenes are absolutely microscopic, but they're hollow and they're pure carbon molecules. So the fullerenes are extremely powerful antioxidants, and you can use them really in a multitude of ways, but we're just going to talk about how it's working with the EMF waves. So because of those fullerenes, those empty hollow molecules, it's actually absorbing the EMF waves into that hollowness, and it's able to contain it. So uh, when you want to test it, if you've got a little EMF um, meter, which I have, you can take a piece of pure shungite, now, not anything that is not pure. It's got to be 90 to 100%. If you put that, uh, say, um, to a cell phone, take your meter first and register the cell phone's uh, radiation magnetic waves on your little meter. Then you take a piece of shungite and you put it between the meter and your cell phone, and you will see a drastic drop in the reading of radiation. And you can do it with your computer you can go back to your the actual uh, box, your actual Wi-Fi box, and do the same thing. So, so easy to actually test it. There's no myth here whatsoever. This this stone, which was believed to be a meteorite that fell in Russia, I think was a gift from the ETs, and they sent it here so that when we got to this point on this planet where we've got to start thinking about uh, these EMF waves and how do we protect ourselves other than purification? And we can talk a lot more about that. But this shungite, everybody should have this shungite. I've got it in every corner of every human's house. I have a giant box book of it sitting right on top of the, the Wi-Fi box. I have little pyramids of it on my computer, and I have a little slice of it on the back of my cell phone. And I wear it. Uh, so it creates a huge field of protection. So, um, you know, it's really about where do I wear it on my body. It's really having enough body around you to create that field. Uh, so, you know, wearing maybe wearing one piece on your throat chakra, it's not protecting the throat chakra. It's creating a field on the entire body. You spend a lot of time, I'm sure, on cell phones and computers. So what I made for you, I wanted it to be extremely large so that you would create a huge field of shungite energy all around you. Uh, and yeah, it, it, becomes, it sits right in front of my chest. Yeah. It, covers my, it covers my whole chest. And when I sit in front of a computer, I can actually sit in front of a computer longer when I have yes. it on. 
because yes, you should because I'm very sensitive to to everything that's happening in the way of these new devices that are out there. I don't even own a smartphone. I refuse to have one. <laughs> okay. Good for you. Good for you. you. You shouldn't have one. If you do have one, I think you should be using it minimally. And when you're not, you keep it far away from you. Many people carry it with them all the time in their hands or on their bodies. Uh, they're slowly feeling the radiation and the EMFs. Shungites, uh, you just there's nothing else on the market right now that can actually prove through through science that this will protect from these EMF waves and create use pyramid. Um, uh, I also have what's called the tower. It stands about six feet tall, uh, and I keep that in the middle of my house with a brass pyramid over it. So that the brass pyramid again is is really dispersing that energy everywhere. So I feel pretty good in my home in that I think I'm at a minimum exposure to the waves. So let me ask you, uh, Wendy. There's a lot of people that are advertising that product, but it's not really that product. Have you run into some fake uh, stones like that? Um. Yes, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. A lot of people uh, are buying uh, literally even things like Jet, uh, Onyx, and they don't polish it, um, and they put them out and sell them as Shungite. So there are there are certain places that I think that you can go where I know you're going to get true Shungite. And it comes from Russia. Um, there's a couple of places uh, I could send a link to people or they could call me or whatever that I feel is uh, a very safe place to go to get your true uh, Shungite. So yes, there's a lot out there. Or it's very low in the carbon content. And as soon as you start dropping below 90% carbon content, uh, it will no longer protect you. You can take something that's 50% and test it, <clears throat> and then test your computer, and it hasn't made a dent. It's got to have that 90% carbon to, to have all the fullerenes that are in it. So you, you've got to have the most fullerenes that you can get, those, you know, the most little hollow molecules, and they're absorbing, transforming, literally, the radiation. So wow. you got to be very careful and, and know your sources. And if there's anything written about the Shungite and you see that it's less than 90%, just don't even bother. <laughs> it's Good. not going to do what you want to do. Good. Why don't you give us your website and how people can contact you if they want to come and spend time with you or if they sure. want to order some, some jewelry from you? Sure. It's a wolfwalkercollection.com. Okay, so I'm I'm noticing the time, and and I would like to pass you over to my co-host Ariel. And it's been my pleasure, Wendy, talking with you. Thank you. You're one of my favorite people. You're one of my (laughs) favorite people, and one of these days I'll be knocking on your door in New Mexico. Oh, you're welcome anytime. Okay, and back to you, Ariel. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Well, this has just been wonderful. And I'm glad that you addressed that issue 
um, about shungite because, um, you know, there are there are people out there that are predators, and uh, and you know they is there I mean apart from testing, um, is there a way to um, discern, uh, you know, fake or inferior shungite? If you really know and study crystals and stones, you will probably be very good at being able to recognize true shungite because there's there's a royal shungite, which is the 100% type shungite, and it's very silvery, uh, almost metallic-looking silvery, and uh, it has a conchoidal break on the surface, so it breaks like glass. You know, when you break glass, it has a conchoidal break to it, kind of half circular. Uh, that's a big typical um, that you've got good shungite. It's a, it's a heavy stone if you're getting that pure royal shungite. And then what most of us are wearing is like a black, soft, lustrous shungite. And that's the one that's uh, around 90%, 80 to 90% is what they're using in the jewelry. The best is that royal shungite. Um, you, you can't miss that. You start getting into the jewelry and the pendants, it's, uh, it's that black lustrous. And that's where you want to start being careful. You want to make sure your source is absolutely guaranteeing you that you've got 90 to 100%. Shungite there. So that's that's the best way I can tell you because um, it's difficult. It's going to be difficult if you are a novice and you don't know your stones. You could look at it and think that it's you know black onyx or black jet or black tourmaline, uh, and and you're not getting shungite. So all I can say is if you are not you know savvy with your stones and crystals. Go to a person or a shop or a website that will guarantee you in writing that you've got shungite that's 90 to 100 percent, and there are some out there. Have you ever seen fake royal shungite? No, I have not because I I'm only using right now I'm only using one Russian soul for my shungite, and for people that go to the Tucson Gem and Mineral Show, <laughs> these people show up, and you want to go to the show that's called Pino, P-I-N-O Show, and you will see these Russians there who bring in this pure shungite, and they will have both the royal as well as the upper end uh, black lustrous shungite there. So there's a hint to all of you. Go to the Tucson Gem and Mineral Show. <laughs> and then uh, well, I don't have that. I don't have information. I'm very happy to share it. So if anybody wants to be able to get in touch with me, they can email me or, or call me, and I'll give them the the link. I can't go on my computer right now because I'm afraid if I do, I'll lose you. <laughs> <laughs> I can't yeah. do both. <laughs> well, right. Um, so if if someone went to your website, which is Wolf W O L F Walker. W A L K E R collection dot com. Your contact information is on there. Yes, yes, it is. Okay, that's the best. Point. Okay, yeah, and I mean, apart from going to a 
a gem show. Um, I mean, certainly there must be a website that is yes. reputable. And um, if you know of any of those, I mean, I, I came across a website because I was doing some research on this very thing, and um, the the website was um, selling Russian shungite, but mm-hmm. um, but I don't recall that they made any point about the um, percentage of purity. Right. So that's yeah. that's the first thing that I'm going to look for on the okay. website. And certainly, because if they're really um, selling it, they're they're going to let you know. Okay, yeah, I'll have to dig a little bit deeper into that website. Uh, I don't want to mention it in case they're bogus. <laughs> I don't want people to go and be misled. Um, but we had we had um, uh, another guest on the show a while ago who was um, a gemologist, and mm-hmm. and said that true, um, pure, you know, high end. Shungite is quite expensive, so that the price might yeah. be an indication. Um, but then I would think, well, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna sell um, fake or inferior Shungite, then you just put a real big price tag. People think they're getting the real thing. That's so I don't right. know that. You, you, you're yeah, I don't know that right. price you can't would, go by would that. really be the uh, determining. But it it, it certainly um, the one thing about this website is that this it was. It was just way too cheap. I said, I can't believe this stuff is so cheap. Um, right. That's, yeah, that's a good indicator that it's it's probably yeah. a lower end uh, shungite because there's a lots of it, you know. And once they start selling it, a lot of people are buying just for jewelry. They're not interested in how it's going to protect the body. So, you know, they put out a lower end and a lower quality because it it satisfies that end of the market. But if you really want to be using it, you know, as EMF protection, then uh, you want to go for the higher end. Oh, absolutely. And you will, you will pay more for the, the royal. Absolutely will pay more for the royal. Well, now, um, you know, if, if there was a, a, a like, say, a, a piece of Shungite that's maybe, you know, the size of a half dollar um, or, you know, what would you expect to pay for Royal Shungite for something that's, you know, medallion-sized? You know, the Royal Shungite I am not seeing being turned into jewelry. It's usually kept in big chunks, and that's the best stuff that you want to use for being around your house it is it's hard to find because the price goes way up. So if you okay, so say you want to uh get a pyramid to put somewhere, most of the ones that you're going to see are black, but they should be a very 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 deep black uh cuz that's got more carbon in it than one that might be striated or has a a grayish tint to it. You want one that's as black as can be. Or if you can, and I think we'll start to see more of this coming out as people understand Shungite and they're more willing to use it as an EMF protector, I think you'll start seeing the Royal Shungite, which is the, this, the very beautiful silver metallic color. Those will start being cut uh, more and more often into the pyramid shape or more into pendants. Right now, if you find that, 
style and a pendant, it's just a chunk and people will wire wrap it. But right now I'm not seeing the royal shungite in anything other than different kinds of chunks because people also are using that to purify water. So in order to purify the water, you want to just use the royal shungite. In the, and that's what Russia uses it for. Um, it's purifying the water uh, in all of Russia. So that's their major way of using it. Uh, wow. And that's why you're going to see the royal shungite showing up in chunks or little tiny pieces. I would not recommend that you use little tiny chips that are the black ones to purify the water. I think you should stick with the the royal shungite so that you get the most out of it, the biggest bang. You know, why why fool around when, when you're trying to purify your body and your water and your environment? You might as well spend the money and get something that's, you know, first class. Well, sure. <clears throat> yeah. Get it right the first time. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, this is just, you know, fascinating. And um, um, also on your website, you've got different, all the different varieties of sage. Yes. The sages, um, all your resins, uh, frankincense, myrrh, copal, uh, dragon's blood, pinon, and all those beautiful resins um, you burn on charcoals to fill up your environment. And they're all antibiotic, anti uh, viral, so it's really good and important to burn those in your house as well as your sage. Your woods like Palo Santos and sandalwood, I have those on there. Those also are all purifying agents. And essential oils are absolutely fabulous also to use. And their vibration is incredibly high. The healthy human body has a frequency that sits in a range of like 62 to 68 megahertz. And then sickness and disease uh, knocks you down to about 58 megahertz. Uh, And the essential oils, just having those around you, applying them, inhaling them, diffusing them, especially when you're sick, will literally bring your frequency back up to where you can heal. And like your rose essential oil is, Uh, used to have the highest frequency. It was 320 megahertz. But now they have found that a scotch pine actually is registering higher than rose. So uh, keeping those oils on your body, diffusing them in your rooms, um, you're literally boosting your megahertz, you know, uh, to a healthy and above healthy range. And because of where where we are right now with our planet, now in a different part of our galaxy and more light is entering our solar system. Um, that is literally what's going on within bodies is that our cells are filling up with more and more light. We want it, but if we are not healthy, we can't take advantage of this light coming into our bodies. So we have to purify emotionally and, and mentally and physically in order to let this light come in so that we can move, uh, you know, into the, the fourth and fifth dimensions. And right now, so many people are also starting to actually experience fourth dimensional phenomena. I know I have many, many experiences now in that cusp period between the third and fourth. And um, 
if you do not clear your body, what ends up happening is that uh, you have this ability to manifest more and more and more as we get into uh, this high end of the fourth dimension. But what happens is that you're going to manifest whatever it is that you're thinking and feeling. Manifest um, the lower end vibrations as well as the upper end. But if you keep purifying and cleansing and clearing, um, you will start manifesting the higher end frequencies. So, so much of what's going on in people's lives, they're having you know difficulties and health problems and relationship problems and spiritual problems is the the fact that you know we're not cleansing enough we can't utilize the light that's coming in until we can clear out all these blockages that are lifetimes worth of blockages not not just this lifetime blockages that maybe we don't even realize we have so um all the, the ritual ceremony prayer meditation um the smudging the essential oils i mean all of that is absolutely essential for us to to move along and to grow and God, especially star seeds. I mean, if our job is here to help, we can't help until we clear our own bodies. Um, you know, not really. We're not we're not helping. Really, absolutely. We, if we don't make ourselves our number one project, if we don't put a part a little part of every day, I'm in a position where most of my day is about cleansing and purifying, but. I'm 68, I got a business, I got a home, I don't have kids and a husband to worry about. So I can put a whole lot more of my day towards my emotional and mental cleansing and getting rid of the blocks. If you've got the time, you couldn't do yourself or this planet more good than to focus on purification every day. Now, you said um, some of these oils can be um, used in a diffuser. Is yeah. that the the little the little thing with water that that bubbles up and makes like fog? Is that what yeah. you're talking about? That's <laughs> a diffuser, and there's many 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 ones on the market. And again, I would suggest get the most expensive one you can find because it diffuses it in steam much better than some of the the cheaper models. Um, and uh, I I usually like to do it at night when I'm sleeping because I'm, I know I'm going to get a good six to eight hours of that oil in my bedroom and I'm breathing it. So that's probably a really good time. Um, and then uh, of course, application, putting it on your wrists, your, your throat, your different acupuncture points, bottoms of your heels um, is good. Inhalation I think is the best because inhalation takes it immediately into the, um, oh God, what's that organ in the brain? Amygdala. Amygdala. It goes directly to the amygdala, uh, and that is exactly what you want it to be doing. So, inhalation is probably number one, and you're getting that when you're putting it in a diffuser. You're inhaling the steam with the essential oils, and it's just it's going to absolutely raise the vibration of your body. Let me ask you this. Um, what about animals? Um, excellent for animals. Absolutely excellent for animals. Uh, and again, depending on, you can use them for animals the same way that you would for us. So they have their own chakra system and they have their own auric field. They have their emotional bodies. Uh, and you can use them the same way that you would with a human. 
um, they're probably not going to be real happy if you try to stick it under their nose. So what I what I would do, I've got some cats here, is I will mix a little bit with oil so that it's not directly on their bodies. Uh, mix a little bit with some jojoba oil and rub it on their backs, probably where they can't lick it. So directly on their spine, they can't seem to get around to that or in the back of their neck. Um, and you can work with it that way with animals, uh, cats or dogs, either one, uh, use it that way. You can also put it on their collars. I know some friends have taken a particular oil um, and put it on the collar of their animals. So that works pretty good. And as far as which oils you want to use uh, with your animals, um, I found mints because they kind of like catnip. Mints seem to be uh, favorable for cats, especially because I'm I got two cats and I'm a cat lover. Wintergreen, spearmint, peppermint—they're um, all great for digestion. If your cat feels a little sick, has a tummy problem, worms—that um, would be good. The Artemisia tridentata is uh, actually used by the native people out here. That's the desert sage, and they will mix it in water for animals that have worms. So if they've got cattle, horses, sheep, they will literally take the sage, throw the sage in the water so it's an infused concoction in the water, and then have their animals drink it, and it will help deworm them. Um, I don't know if a cat would, but I've never really had to try to use the the desert sage with the cats as far as drinking it. They're so finicky. I would rather just put it on their neck or on their body. You know, and let the auric field soak it all in. But yes, you can absolutely use it with animals. Yeah, well, and if you had, I mean, if you had a diffuser going in yeah. the same room with the animals, then Ab- they'd be inhaling it as well. Yes, absolutely, absolutely, it would work. They don't have a choice. <laughs> they right. can't run outside or say, "Ooh," you know. Well, yeah, yeah. They'll breathe it in. Yeah, well, you know, if it's if it's if it's good for mama, it's good for the kids. You got it. You got it. And you know, I have I've been working with essential oils now daily in my shop and my uh, the gal that works with me, my employee. I hate to call her employee. She's more than that. She's she's a friend. Um, We we're literally in these oils and these plants all day long, and um, I just don't get sick. I get injured. But I don't get sick, and I know it's because I'm in this field of this high vibration daily. And she told me when she came that she had different issues, and I said, these will probably go away while you work here. And she's been with me three years, and she's told me now, she said, Wendy, I haven't gotten sick once in two years. And again, I know it's because we're daily in this environment of a, of a high frequency with the oils and the herbs. So we're blessed that way. Oh, that's excellent. Excellent. Well, it has just been so wonderful to talk with you Thank again. You. And um, Thank you. I know we'll see you in Arkansas um, next year. Next year. And we'll mm-hmm. look forward to that. Um, once more, I want to just say that your website is wolfwalkercollection.com. And Correct. if people want to um, email you, there's contact information there, and um, your your products you send, I'm sure, um, all over the place. Yes, we ship everywhere. I, I ship to uh, Europe, um, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, America. Yep. 
Excellent. Excellent. And also um your two your two little books, um Sacred yes. Sage How It Heals and Sacred Sage Spirit Medicine. Both of those books are on your website as well. Yes, they so, are. So, you know, um to our listeners, um next time you're surfing the web, go check out Wendy's site, wolfwalkercollection.com, and these products are created from the finest ingredients with the most meticulous care because I know you. They are. (laughs) So, I mean, these these are really high quality and pure. So we're so happy that you were able to spend some time with us this evening. Uh, Thank you for the invite. You're so welcome. So we're going to wrap it up, and um, we will be back next week. And once more, we have three spots still open for August. Uh, We're going to close the doors whether they're open or not, so you've got a few more days if you want to uh, kind of slide into home plate for August. And then um, in November, it's our alumni quest, which is – it's been over. (laughs) It's a huge group that's coming, and we've kind of closed the doors on that. But – and then next year we'll see you, Wendy. Yes, you will. Thank you again. On your birthday? On your birthday? Yes, Excellent. I love spending Excellent. my birthday with all of you. Yeah, well, that's a very powerful, very powerful time. We've got a couple of people coming in August who are having a birthday that weekend. So um, It's the best way to spend your birthday, telling everybody it sure, else. It sure is. Spend your sure birthday is. with the starseed. That's right. <laughs> oh. Well, thank you so much for being with okay. us, Wendy, and we will see you um, in Arkansas next year. And um, for everyone else listening, thank you so much for joining us. And we will be back next week. And until then, make an effort to find gratitude every day and show compassion and kindness because that is the door to the fifth dimension. Take care, everyone. Good night. been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com. 